Hey everybody, you're tuning in to Grown Folk Talk and I'm your host Natasha Nicole. This is a podcast for life survivors, dream catchers, and change agents. Hey listen, we're all grown here, so let's have some real conversations that will challenge us, grow us, and encourage us to be our excellent selves. Now come on, let's go be grown. Hey everybody, welcome to Grown Folk Talk with Natasha Nicole. I am your host, Natasha Nicole. This is the fifth episode of a series titled Women of Black Excellence, Queens at the Table. Today I am joined by three queens, um, Jesse Saints, excuse me, two queens, Jesse Saints, um, St. Cyr Esquire and Tiffany Burford. Ladies, I want to thank you and welcome you to um, the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so why don't each of you just tell us a little bit about yourselves? Jesse. Okay. So uh, I always start with, I love all things Christmas. Uh, everybody knows that about, if you know me, you know. I'm down for Christmas all year round. Um, <laughs> so, but I love God. Uh, I'm a believer and have been for some time and just uh, learning that I don't know much and uh, just trying to understand how he's moving in this season in my life and in this world. Um, what else about me? So I'm the third of 10 children. I am um, by profession, an attorney. Uh, I am employment employment attorney. I am licensed in the state of Massachusetts. I've a uh, former state official for Massachusetts in transportation and as deputy treasurer for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I own a business, a small business, and focus on management consulting. So I do a lot of leadership training, some HR audits, DNI audits, um, and other provide other services as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, uh, I, I just, I just love nature. I love scenic areas and things like that. So I just try to enjoy my life to the extent that I can and to the fullest that I can. So that's a lot, but that's a bit about me. Thank you. And my, and I'm a Capricorn and I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, you know, it's, it's hard. Sometimes I try to, you know, shake it up and not to say the obvious, um, just for people to see me from a different perspective and not just the titles. Well, thank you so much, Jesse. Mm -hmm. um, Tiffany, tell us a little I bit about you. I like um, Jesse's intro. That was really nice. Um, I once heard someone say, like in Europe, the, the difference between when they meet somebody and they say, you know, who are you? In America, we talk about what we do for a living. And in other places, they talk about what they do for hobbies, like who, who they are. So I'm going to start off with that one. Mm -hmm. Who I am. Um, I am an avid lover, like you say, of nature, all things water. I love getting on boats. <laughs> I love swimming. Um, I love hiking. I love just being outside. Uh, I got that from my dad. And I love animals. I just love um, 
just being out and, and just breathing fresh air and doing stuff. I like the freedom of that. Um, I like going out with my kids and hanging out. Uh, I actually live in California. I lived in Massachusetts. Um, I lived in Massachusetts on up until three years ago. And uh, then I moved to California and I can say that California has been the greatest for all of my <laughs> activities that I want to do. Um, but I am by trade, uh, I have a degree in chemistry and um, I have an MBA in healthcare management. So technically I could, you know, run hospitals, like be a hospital administrator. Um, but what I actually do is oversee global clinical studies. So any of the drugs that you see or the vaccines and stuff, those have to go through clinical trials first. And that's what we do. That's what I do. I'm over that type of stuff. And, and my studies are global. I've done that um, probably over 20 years now. It's been, um, I've been in that trade. So uh, I have five children and I am married uh, and I've been married for 17 years. And um, I love the Lord, met the Lord when I was five. And that's a whole different conversation in itself. But um, I love everything God. I love everything spiritual. I love um, meeting people who are inquisitive about God. And, you know, I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm super spooky and deep, um, but I just love to talk about um, my experiences and, and how meeting God impacted me and totally changed, as, as my people say, rocked my world. It's just like rocked me and, and changed who I was um, essentially. And, and basically got me to where I am today. I wouldn't be anything or anywhere near where I am if it were not just following his, his footsteps every step of the way. Now, I can't give myself any glory for, for anything that I have. It really was because I was just being obedient. And that's who I am. That's, that's me. Well, thank you, Tiffany. Um, so I just wanted to... Uh, you guys, thank you for your introductions. Um, it, it just not only just, you know, I thought you was going to say, oh, this is, I'm Jesse and I'm, and I do this and I'm Tiffany, I do this, but opening yourselves up more um, just gives everyone a little bit more insight to who you are. Like you said, Jesse, um, you know, who you are and not necessarily what you do. Um, so thank you, ladies. So this is the last episode um, in the series, and I wanted this episode to be about reflection. Um, I wanted for you ladies to be able to look back on your journey and share some nuggets of experiential wisdom, um, you know, that you can share with the, with the generations after you. So that's what this, this episode is primarily about. Um, so I've started my first question for all of the episodes, um, with the exception of one, I forgot to ask it. Um, but, you know, as you know, the title of this series is, as women of black excellence, Queens at the table. Now, would you say being called a woman of black excellence or the title black excellence in itself evokes a sense of pride or pressure? Both. That is the whole podcast question. I love it. <laughs> well, I got six questions and eight years. So I'm just, let's see well, how many we can get through. <laughs> I, I think it would be both. It would be both. 
Um, because that's a that's a loaded question right there. I, I think Jesse may agree with me on that one. That is a seriously loaded question because for one, it kind of assumes that black excellence is something that's new and it's never been new. We've we've been excellent throughout history. You know, we just, we, just, we just weren't aware over on this side what what we had done before. And I think that um, for me, it just it, it does put some pressure on because um, but I think it's a good pressure because it, it kind of tells you to man up and or woman up and, and, you know, get about the business of doing what you're supposed to do, what you've always done, you know, throughout your history, um, you know, to make it happen and to to persevere and to overcome everything that has always been put in your way um, and and then just show people who you are because we're incredibly intelligent we're incredibly capable um, and we're incredibly strong i've i've never met a, a a race of people who besides the jews let me just say that who face the kind of adversity we have faced throughout history and yet seem to overcome all of that and still thrive wherever you put us and you allow us to just be we take over and we thrive so i i would say it's a loaded question i would say it's both i, I, I fully it. agree tiffany i fully agree i when you were talking i was thinking of maya angelo's um um poem still i rise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like it's a it's diamond, you know. It, it's a wh- however diamond is formed is formed with pressure, and um, and a, the reason why I think we are so persecuted and marginalized is because we carry so much. Mm. You think trailblazers, people who go first, people who are courageous, um, <laughs> they're never well received initially. It's Mm -hmm. afterwards. History is now uh, identifying who these people are and what they've done. If you think about all the posts through Black History Month, I'm, you know, I'm always interested in history. um, But to see what we've done centuries before, the technologies we were responsible for centuries before Mm -hmm. other countries and um, nations and continents um, learned about, they learned it from our people from Africa and um, civilization started in Africa. So of course there's black excellence has always been there. Uh, There's a part of our history where we were forced to deny it or forced to forget it, but it's, it's genetic. You don't forget who you are. You may misplace, you miss, Mm -hmm. misremember if that's even a word, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's in you. Um, if I go to scripture for we are fearfully and wonderfully made, you can't cancel that out if you tried. Mm. You know? So um, yeah, it's 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 a sense of you get a sense of pride with black excellence. And then there's also the pressure um, to always do and perform. And that's where it requires uh, stepping back and balancing out the performance piece and the doing piece with who am I really? Mm. Why am I here? Am I doing this because I feel the pressure or am I doing this because I feel called? Am I doing this because I'm available or am I doing this because I feel obligated? 
And I think we have to all take a step back. I mean, we've seen um, um, different leaders and different actors and athletes take a step back and say, I can perform all day long and stress myself and kill myself trying to, and I don't want to use the word kill myself because um, of some of the things that happened recently, but um, I, I can stretch myself and really put myself on the altar of sacrifice for all humanity, or I can learn to give in measure and be thoughtful about how I share who I am and what God has given me so that I can also survive and thrive. Um, so I just went right into the whole psychological aspect of this. I'm not a psychologist at all, but um, it's just, it's just, I think being aware that we can be excellent, but we can also care for ourselves. Yeah. Um, the, the episode before this one was, um, I titled it She Time and it was about self-care. And that was some of the things that we talked about was like, you know, <clears throat> we can't be our best selves to, or, to, or we can't be the best to other people if we're not, you know, the best to ourselves. First, it has to start, you know, with us and, and um, practicing that self-care. So See, Jess, you could have been in that episode too. You just got, just, I could just plug you anywhere. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I say Jesus saves. Jesse doesn't yes. Save. Yes. <laughs> saves. Yes. 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 Jesus saves. We don't save. All right. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to let you guys know right now because. I just got some loaded questions. So we're going to try to, we're going to try to, 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 I don't know. I don't know how you guys are going to answer this. You know, we don't want this to be a two, three hour podcast. So we're going to try to, you know, <laughs> uh, spread it out or I don't know, whatever. Just let the spirit lead you. That's all I'm going to say. Just let the spirit lead you. All right. So while I believe that we should not live in our past, um, I also believe that we should not turn a blind eye to it either because it can be used as a metric tool to show us how far we've come, right? So with that said, when you reflect on your there, what was your biggest motivation to get you here? So mine was my, my upbringing. It was, um, the interesting thing is I've had this conversation so many times in my head and with a couple of other people, I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm still on that journey to get somewhere, you know, I'm, I'm currently just kind of resting in some green pastures as I pass on through, you know, to wherever I'm going. But I think that, so I grew up in Nashville and there's a lot of history of segregation. There's a lot of history of a lot of stuff, right? And I, I didn't grow up in segregated Nashville, but I grew up in segregated Nashville. I lived in an all black neighborhood where I knew everybody, you know, it, it wasn't like, and I didn't live in the hood. So I'm just, you know, putting that out there because sometimes when we say all back black, people tend to think, oh, it was hood. It was not hood. You know, these were working class people. Um, and there was such a sense of safety there. Um, I mean, I could get on my bike and just ride and just, you know, do whatever. That childhood that people talk about, I had that, right? But I think as I got older, I also started to see some of the other things that happened within our neighborhoods 
right? As you start to get older, you see the the drugs and the alcoholism and the, you know, just the different things that go on. And it happens in everybody's neighborhood, not just black neighborhood. Um, and I started to realize that this is not what I want for my life. Mm. And I started to see, so, you know, early on, you started, you start to see the division of those who are, they call smart, you know, you know, mm-hmm. when you're growing up, talk about the smart kids, like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and so you start to see that division, those who are smart, those who are athletic, those who are pretty, those who are this, those who are that. And I began to realize that I didn't fit in with some of the other kids that were in my neighborhood at large. And even in within my own families, right? So I was a little bit different. And so I started to realize that, ah, you know what? This is this is not what I aspire to. Mm-hmm. I want something different for myself. And so somehow I got in my mind that I wanted to see the world. I didn't just want to go to Chattanooga or Atlanta. And that was the, the height of my, my traveling. There was just something in me that, that wanted to see something different, wanted to see how other people lived, how, how life was different on a different side. So as I got older, I started to associate with people who were different from me, make friends who were different, very, very different. Um, and then I decided, you know, I'm smart. So I, I knew I was going to go to college. That was not even uh, a question. My mother and father, we weren't debating that. <laughs> there was there was just no debate about that in my family for me or my brother just just wasn't happening you were going period don't know where but you're going somewhere so um <laughs> so so we we had that mindset and i also realized that more than half of the people that i grew up with and they were i mean we lived in a big neighborhood their parents were not like that right so where my parents pushed us in the summertime to play sports so that we wouldn't be on the street. And then in school, you know, school year, we were doing stuff. It just began to resonate with me that I got to get out of here. I got to do something different. And because I loved playing in chemicals, this is why they have those child locks on the. (laughs) I am the reason I am the reason why they have those people like me blow stuff up at an early age, set things on fire, at an early age, almost kill yourself a couple of times because you're mixing far too many chemicals together because they're all in there. Yeah, that's me. So, <laughs> so I realized that you know there was something beyond what I could see and something beyond what was around my environment. So I began to strive for that. And I began to see that there were other kids who didn't live in my neighborhood that were doing things that I had no access to. Mm. And I began to wonder about that. Well, why, why do they ride horses? Or why do they go and do this and do that? And we don't get that. So I began to look for something different and I began to strive for it. And then once I got to high school, um, so in, in the third grade, they desegregated us. I was desegregated in the third grade in Nashville. Mm. That was in the 80s. Mm. Desegregation ended when, but okay. But in the eighties, I was desegregated. So they bust us to a white neighborhood, sent us to school, right? Mm. And so it was at that point that now I began to go to school with white kids and I began to see a whole different side of life. Talk about it. That I wasn't seeing before. Mm -hmm. Not that we had it bad, but they had it different. 
in the fifth grade where I went to school, we had no air conditioning in our school. It used to be mm-hmm. all black high school and it had no air conditioning. You can't live in Nashville with no air conditioning. Mm-mm. But when they desegregated us and start busting in the white kids, we got air conditioning that year. We, mm. we were in fifth got air conditioning, okay? School was still old, but we now got air conditioning. Mm. So I, I began to see that there was something more to life than what I was seeing. And I began to want it. Now, you know, my parents, uh, my aunts and uncles, they all went to college. Most of them went to college because um, Tennessee State was now giving, you know, it's it's not an HBC, it's not a historically black college. However, that's where all the black people went because that's where they could go. Um, so my dad went there, my uncles, I had one that went to California. So, so I knew that there was something more, but we just couldn't access it. So when I now began to access it, I now began to strive for something different. So I started going after it, right? And so then I went to college. I, my brother went to Yale. I went to Mount Holyoke, which is in Massachusetts. It's an all women's college. Went there, now began to see things on a totally different level because now I'm going to school with women who are seriously rich. They have money. They're bringing their horses to board at school because we have an equestrian center. Mm. I had never seen that before. They're driving BMWs, Mercedes. One woman was wearing her mink coat to school in the wintertime. Mm. So I'm now, I'm now seeing stuff that, that was just way, way. One girl, dad was flying her home in a private jet. So I'm, I'm seeing stuff, a lifestyle that was never put before me before. And it's not that I envied it. I just saw that it was different. So now I'm working hard in school because I'm saying to myself, this is achievable. I, I can do this. I can do this. Well, let, let me step in. I'll then. Let continue. <laughs> yeah, let me step in here then and say, um, just to go back to your question, just the way, I mean, so Tiffany's background and mine were similar. Um, grew mm-hmm. up in a neighborhood which was considered the hood, but it was working class people. Uh, white collar, blue collar folks. Um, I grew up in a two parent home. So, you know, but I, I'm also um, of Haitian descent. So you have that the immigrant mentality, mm-hmm. the cultural differences um, to, to deal with. And, and a lot of good work ethic and ideologies and worldviews came from that background. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm here. But yeah, I, I mean, we were different. First of all, my parents wouldn't let us play with nobody. Nobody. <laughs> she said nobody. Nobody. So we weren't playing <laughs> with nobody in the neighborhood. Um, it was church, work, and um, school. Uh, like Tiffany, no conversation about college. It was an expectation. It was like, mm-hmm. you, you weren't what? No. We, we didn't even dare open our mouths. To, <laughs> you, you didn't let the brain cells come together in your brain, in your brain to formulate the words. No. <laughs> Listen, you'd be through a wall in a second. My parents were, weren't abusive. I want to make that disclaimer. Uh, they were, <laughs> but they were crystal clear. They were crystal clear. Mm, yeah, you going somewhere. But just the church we grew up in, um, there were a lot of professionals, a lot of nurses. There were some engineers. There were a few lawyers, a few doctors. 
but everybody was striving, you know, it's a grim immigrant community. So everybody was striving um, to do better and their kids had to do better and everybody had to do better. And it was, you have to be an engineer, a doctor or a lawyer. Those are the top three. You could be a nurse, a teacher or whatever else, but you, you had to have a, a one of these professions. Um, so same, similar background. Um, I think for me, I, I think I see the pattern of my life and the pattern of my life is partly um, just being the oddball, if you will, or mm -hmm. being the different person means that you're picked on and you're bullied and you're ostracized and people don't understand you and you never really fit in. But as you recognize that pattern, you also see that not fitting in is actually for your benefit mm -hmm. because now you're not relying on human acceptance and affirmation. You mm -hmm. have to really anchor yourself in who God called you to be. And uh, for me, that was early on because I was, when I say bullied, drop kicked in the middle of Blue Hill Ave, which is mm -mm. in the middle of rush hour traffic, like, mm -mm. you know, I had to, I brought a butter knife to school the next day and some bottle of Clorox. Uh, Cause I'm like, if he do it one more time, he ain't gonna see after this. Oh, <laughs> you gonna blind him. You gonna blind him. <laughs> she was gonna butter him and blind him. <laughs> <laughs> Another disclaimer, I do not condone violence, nor is this. <laughs> just gotta say that, so Jeffy said, no, don't send your kids with none of that. But I, I mean, I was scared. I was scared because it was just like, wait, what did I do? But it was, they, you know, I got picked on because I was smart and I was in advanced uh, classes from elementary school. Uh, so it was just like, here's an obvious person to pick on. Um, and then, yeah, but I, I think just go, thinking about my background, uh, I see the patterns now. Um, and it was really all for my good. Um, I'm sure God doesn't want us to be bullied and harmed and treated a certain way. But just being the oddball or not fitting in um, helps me to actually be a better leader, too. Because mm. if you're a leader and you're trying to fit in, you need work. to fire yourself. That's not your job. Yeah. I, I actually agree with you in being the oddball because I can say that, uh, you know, again, I've had this conversation several times. It is what propelled me to leave Nashville. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Because I'm looking around at everybody and I'm saying, I don't fit here. Mm. I don't fit in. And I know that. Mm. I have to go where I belong, where I think that there are others like me mm. and I can find them and you know, we can band together and, and move on. And I and and going to school, I think at the time I was the only person in my graduating class who left the state to go to school. And, I, and I'm saying that because I think it was announced, it was said wow. that I was the only one. And there were 200 and something of us graduating. Mm. In that and I left the state and you know, I, I just realized that there's something beyond this. Yes, I, I wasn't picked on quite like you because I have an older brother that um, <laughs> I think people tried it a couple of times, didn't go so well for them. 
people kind of left me alone. They just, <laughs> just now the girls on the other hand, a little different, but the boys never had a problem with them. Never, because I did have some backup there. But I just realized that, you know, like you said, that is, so I didn't come from an immigrant background. I came and, and my parents went to church, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, that we had that strong church connection. Mm -hmm. I, I had an encounter with God. And so I had that connection, but it was really the leading, like him leading me kind of by the nose, just, you know, leading me out into where I was supposed to go and, and being navigated because even the way I got to college was crazy on its own. I just saw someone sitting down at the end of the hall by herself and I felt sorry for her. So I went to talk to her and I wound up going to school there. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's just how all these things kind of trickled in, but it's, it was like you said, being that lone person, you know, knowing you don't fit in, um, knowing that you have to do something different. And I agree with you hundred percent. It makes you a totally different leader because yeah. when people, when people see you, they, they know you can go it alone. I don't have to be your friend. That's okay. We don't have to be buddies. Not enough. I deliver what I need to deliver. And I need you to give me what I need. Mm. Like it or not, you're going to perform and you're going to give it to me. Okay. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. So, and I, and I think that, you know, like you said, Jesse, that whole, that whole piece right there, I think is what sets us apart. I'm not a Capricorn. I'm a Leo. So <laughs> I'm just out there, <laughs> you know, I, but I, but I agree with you. I think that that's what sets us apart. And when we go out into the world, we're already equipped with the fact that you might be doing this by yourself and it's okay. It's okay. okay. All right, ladies. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, just, you know, briefly for me, I was, I was always, um, you know, different as well being the oddball because, you know, for me, it was more um, appearance wise. Like I, I was the biggest like, you know, I've always been, you know, voluptuous. Um, and I was always the biggest. And I was teased a lot. I was I was bullied very badly um, <clears throat> because of that. And I also was a, a crybaby. I was extremely sensitive, which in itself is different because my family, you know, they're not hard or harsh, but they weren't very... Um, they weren't as, as affectionate as me. Like I was just, you know, very huggy and, and, you know, oh, you're so pretty. You're, oh, I love you. And, you know, and I just didn't have a problem. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with that. And, oh and people, okay. it drove people crazy. Like I was just, you know, I was just too much for people. Um, so that kind of ostracized me and that's what made me, and I just couldn't understand like why no one wanted to be my friend because I just want to love you and hug you and squeeze you. And <laughs> people just did not, I was just too much. <laughs> so um, I developed a great relationship with my imagination. And I was like, that's okay. I'm gonna make me up some friends. I was um, a single, um, not single. I was an only child. And so I made up a sister and her name was Melissa. And you know, whatever I didn't have, I made it up. So me and Imagination, we rocked together. And that's how the writing 
started because I started creating worlds that I wish I lived in. And it was just more like that, you know? So I, I can definitely, um, you know, agree with that being the oddball. Um, so let's see. Can I say one thing, Natasha? Um, so Tiffany, you're a chemist. My oldest sister is a chemist. So your our stories, there's so much parallel there. It's not even funny. Mm. <laughs> but, oh, blowing up stuff. Yes, blowing up didn't eyes. almost burn down your house. Took the eyebrows off. <laughs> I almost burned down the house. Nine, no, not that, that not that kind of parallel. I didn't <laughs> burn off nothing. Okay. I was trying to stay cute. Okay. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I was trying to create worlds. That was all. Just, you know, just trying to create Create worlds. Like I was trying to, I was creating worlds, you know, writing them, and you was creating worlds, uh, you know, I don't know. But you know what? I, I, I wanted to say about your comment about creating worlds in your head. I actually did that as well. Mm -hmm. I never had imaginary friends, but I had an imaginary life. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that that was. So when you talk about how do you get to where you are, this is what I created long ago mm -hmm. in my head yep. that I wanted because, it, again, it wasn't that my world was bad per se, but it's not what I wanted. It's not what I wanted. And I was creating what I wanted and I was going after it. And I knew that there'd be a lot of sacrifice to it, but I was going after what I wanted and I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to have kids. I didn't want to do anything. I wanted that world that I created. Mm. And that was what I was scraping for the whole time. Listen, mm. on that point, you're so right. The, the imagination is where reality starts. Mm -hmm. And it's just the action and the persistence and perseverance that makes that imagination reality. So when I was... Um, I, I don't know if I was in college at the time, if I was an intern, but I worked at the Federal Reserve Bank um, of Boston. Um, that was one of my first jobs out of college, but I interned there before I became an employee. And we had this uh, session, this training that they offered, and we were supposed to write down what we wanted to achieve. And uh, I wrote a series of things down. And when I say I accomplished every every single thing. And one of them included living in the uh, Mediterranean coast of France. Wow. <laughs> Do you know I lived there for like half a year? Wow. Um, it's, it's like, oh, you can really manifest your life you want, but that exposure piece that Tiffany's talking about is so important because if you don't see it, you don't necessarily think it's possible and you don't have um, the roadmap, but mm -hmm. if you grew up the way we grew up, you start, your mind goes somewhere and you start believing and it's now, it's exercising a level of courage that you didn't know you had and stepping out and doing things that your environment is not showing you. And so that, that does take a lot of courage. And I think we're having this conversation because we've had to step out in so many ways outside of the norm that we grew up in. Oh. Well, I think that that's really important for, you know, any young women who will hear this podcast who are listening um, to know that, you know, 
stepping out, having that courage and, and being okay with being different. You know, it doesn't always mean that it's a bad thing. You know, that's, that's, we got to recognize that, you know, those differences are, are what make us unique, that what set us apart. Um, it would be boring if we were all standard, you know, and we, we all had the same things and, you know, and thought the same way. So, um, having that imagination and and manifesting, speaking things into existence, you know, um, these these are all you know great nuggets. I'm like, Dak, I should have had some type of bullet points, but maybe I'll have that to go along with you know with the conversations um, on the actual landing page. I don't know, don't, don't know about y'all. Don't hold me to it because it might not be there. But I'm just <laughs> a lot, okay. Um, <laughs> so moving right along. Uh, what's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned on your journey to the table? Or what was one of the biggest errors in judgment you made? Now, I know those could be two different seven, but I'm giving y'all a choice. You could pick or choose if, you know, which one you want to answer, or you can answer both, you know, a little bit. My biggest error was Mm. dating the wrong guy. Mm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Can you can you repeat that? I missed it. She My said she's not the wrong man. Yeah, I dated the wrong man. I was engaged to somebody. I was dating them and kind of got engaged to them, lived with them. Wasn't supposed to do that. Um, when I clearly heard the Lord say, don't. Mm. And I did. And this this stemmed from Okay, we talked about being different. There was a period in my life where after I graduated from college, because I didn't date. So let me just put that out there as well. So one of the other things that kind of set me apart from everybody else in high school, and I didn't date. I mean, Mm -hmm. I had some friends that I went out with, but, you know, that whole dating thing, couldn't do that because that would mean that I would want to stay in Nashville. Mm. Right. So I didn't do that. So when I got to college, I still didn't date. I had a boyfriend. Right. And it didn't quite work out. But and he went to a different school, but I didn't really date date like as you as you would say. And Mm -hmm. um, everybody else was dating and having a good time going to parties. And I did not do that. I was in lab five days a week. So when I graduated, I'm now 22. And I'm thinking, hey, you know, I want to be like everybody else. Let me find a boyfriend. Found a boyfriend. That was the biggest mistake. He was a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. Um, And we're still friends. However, it was the greatest distraction Mm. in my mind. I still moved forward in my career, but it put me behind three years where I should have been had I focused and, and really buckled down and did what I needed to do. And emotionally, it messed me up for a good while. I want to say it took me about three years to recover from that relationship. Mm. And, you know, if I could say anything to young ladies out there is when you're dealing with relationships, you have to know yourself first and you have to make sure you do not compromise. I'm sorry, that was me. Um, You do not compromise um, who you are, what you Mm. want and where you're going for a guy. Um, And I did that. I really did. And I regret that piece because um, 
I mean, I, I eventually, you know, navigated out of it, but I think that it messed up my head and I think it messes up a lot of us who are moving forward and trying to get things done. And then you get into that relationship and then, you know, you, you get knocked back because they're not appreciating who you are. They're not lifting you up. They're not helping you. They're being selfish and everything is about them. And you're not getting that support that you need and you're trying to help them. And then you're trying to help yourself. And, and then you get all messed up in the head and it takes you a while to recover from that. I definitely think that you have to get your own self. Like the Bible talks about self-control. That is key. Get mm -hmm. your heart, your mind, and your body under control mm -hmm. so that you focus and do the task at hand. <clears throat> and when you get to a point where you've gotten some of the things that you want and you're, you're in a cool place and you're, you've, you've mitigated some of those risks and um, you've gotten to a certain point in your career where you can, you now know that you're stable and you can handle a real relationship where you're looking for the right type of person. Cause I also think that when we're younger, we don't really know what we're looking for. We're looking for the cute guy. We're looking for this. And that's not necessarily Say it. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's not it. You're, you're, you should be looking for a guy who's also stable, a guy who's also mm -hmm. loving the Lord, a guy who's also going to be in the trenches with you, understand mm -hmm. what you're going through and understand where you're trying to go. And he's mm -hmm. trying to help you get there as you're trying mm -hmm. to help him where he's going. So I, I, I just, I say that, you know, as an older me, I would say this to the younger me and I would have left that relationship alone and I would have, um, been three years more advanced than what I was. It took, it, it stepped me back three years and I had to recover from that. So that is my biggest regret that I've ever had is that I did that. I would never do that again, ever. He's he saying, don't get a Build-A-Bear man. He's <laughs> a Build-A-Bear man. <laughs> the Build-A-Bear guy. Don't, don't. <laughs> the further you get in your career, the, the more you're going to realize that some of those things that you wanted before didn't really matter that, you know, I know looks are important, but when you get a person who provides for you, takes care of you, um, shows you real intimacy. We're not talking about the stuff that people think is intimacy, but Amen. They, can yes. talk to you. they can, you can relate to them. You have conversation. You're actually friends. You're actually friends. Yes. Right. All of that stuff that you don't really think about, the first time around or when you're dating or when you're young, these are things that you start to notice and understand are important when you get older, because these are the things that carry you through life. It's, you know, all that other stuff is going to fade away. And that's a whole new podcast. That, that's yeah. that, that right there. That's a whole new, uh, listen, it's stop giving me podcast ideas. Okay. Stick to the questions. At what, what you need to do is one question <laughs> per podcast. I'm just saying that's those are some really, you know questions. what? I, that's what I should have <laughs> done. I'm taking all this other stuff. Y'all, y'all, you know what? Y'all ain't getting no other questions. No, 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 one no, no. I, I'll answer. So I'll answer the question. And again, just uh, there's parallels here, but um, I think the, my answer to both is know yourself. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, the self-awareness and self-management are critical. I think the fortitude, persistence, and the ability to do things that are either beyond my years, beyond my socioeconomic background, is because I knew myself and I knew what was in me. 
And I didn't doubt that. And I didn't let people project their foolishness on me because people will try to limit you based on how they limit themselves. Mm, yes. Yeah. And say, you don't belong. How did you get here? Or I'm trying to do what you know. Okay. You ain't making the investments I'm making. You're not sacrificing the way I'm sacrificing. You're not giving what I'm giving. So how can you expect to reap what you've not sown back that up all the way up? That stuff frustrates me so much. So let me step, let me <laughs> recollect myself. But yeah, that is frustrating. It's like, wait, you're not making those investments. So you didn't go to law school. You're not going to become a lawyer. You you didn't focus on chemistry. You're not going to become a chemist. You you didn't, you know, develop your writing skills. You're not going to become a, a poet or an author. It's just not going to happen. So invest where you need to invest based on what God's called you to do. Okay, so back to me. Um, so knowing myself, I think was a critical piece of, um, just reassuring myself and being confident in my voice and saying, okay, I'm at the table now, whether it's in the boardroom, I've sat with presidents, um, presidents and CEOs of, of companies, executives from everywhere, authors, big time folks, politicians, whatever. And it's, they, I'm here because I have something to contribute. I have something of value. And I have to also recognize there are people in that room who may not want me there, may be uncomfortable with me being there or recognize, yeah, she's good at what she does and she makes us look bad. That does happen too, right? Um, and then, or how dare you, cause you're a woman, cause you're black, cause you're an immigrant, yeah, all that stuff. But getting beyond that and those social cues to say, I have value. What I have to say is of value. I'm here because I have something to say. I always say you're at the table, make sure you use the, your voice. Otherwise give someone else the seat. You're not gonna speak up, you just be a showpiece. Then give somebody else the seat who's gonna use their voice to address the issues and give people access to opportunities. Um, so conversely, it's also knowing myself that got me to the place where Tiffany shared um, and trusting other people's opinion of what I should expect from myself, relying on that and making a very bad decision. So I, I got married right out of law school and I don't fall in love easily, um, but when I do, I will, I will give everything, right? And so um, it was uh, a two year marriage, but it, caused so much harm emotionally, mentally for me. And I just shut down uh, for a long time. But I also use that to recover on a lot of things. So growing up, I really didn't, I didn't need any of this. I just wanted to have children and be married and have a house on the prairie. Like I was a good housewife, cute, you know, make your food. I cook like, I cook. you know what I'm saying? Domesticate and all. Cause I grew up again, Haitian family, you gonna cook. Mm, yes, yes. Yes, you're gonna learn. I all concur. That. She can cook. She can yeah. cook. I'll be waiting for my bag of Lalo. Thank you. Children, you're gonna do all that. So, and I was comfortable with it. My parents was like, excuse you? which was quite interesting. 
like they wanted us to be professionals. So anyway, but um, I think not having, I don't know what, what it was that made me question or doubt myself. Um, but maybe it was partly my environment, but I did share concerns, but it was a, a male dominated environment. Uh, not necessarily at home, but it was a cultural thing. And so there were a lot of excuses made for uh, what was happening and who this man was and what he was doing. Um, but I knew in myself, and like you said, Tiffany, it, God showed me very clearly who this man was going to be. And But I loved him. And one of the mistakes, I, other mistakes I made, I had sex before marriage. Um, and I know it's kind of antiquated uh, to talk about that, but believe me, you share emotions and yes. you're connected to the person in a way that you, it's hard to make rational objective decisions when you got all these emotions going on and you hot and bothered, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> so it was, yeah. So it was a, um, knowing myself and not knowing myself um, are just really that self-awareness piece and self-identity, I think are critical. Mm -hmm. Taking that time to just, who am I? What does God call me to do? Um, what do I recognize in myself? And um, securing that, developing that, um, and getting mentorship and support around that, but also recognizing that there are blind spots and mm -hmm. I don't, always have all the answers. Um, and the, the last thing I would say about this is sometimes we have a script in our head that's not reality. Mm. You better that's go true. ahead and that's, talk that's about my, right whole, my whole 37 that's lives. That's mic drop right there. Podcast over. That's <laughs> it was over when Tiffany started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's that script. And so recognizing that that script is not always true. Mm -hmm. Right. There's the core of you and the core of you, the good part of you, the strong part of you. I think we tend to be afraid of that part because mm -hmm. it's not like what we're seeing. And then there's another part of us that keeps telling us things that aren't true about how people see us, how we see ourselves, what our value is or is not, how we can contribute. And we need so much affirmation, so much support from people who are going through the same thing, too. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. we're all going through this experience uh, as well. And so, um, yeah, addressing that script, one of my uh, mentors said to me, he said, no one's thinking about you more than you thinking about yourself. Now, I was initially offended. That's mm -hmm. an right I'm like, excuse me, you ain't thinking about me. Okay. <laughs> his point was this, everybody has a life. Everybody has their own trials and issues and needs and wants. So they're going after things for themselves. If you want to advance, if you want to grow, you got to speak up and do things for yourself. But um, the other side of that is people are not always out to get you. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. This whole thing about haters mm. and people are making up haters. Ain't nobody mm -hmm. thinking about you. They scrolling past. Okay, cute. Moving on. <laughs> You ain't got any haters. You ain't doing too much. And one you, of you, my, she said you ain't doing enough to have a hater. You ain't doing enough to have a hater. You know, one of my um, 
I forget what, maybe it was episode two that I think of, of this series. Um, one of the things that, well, actually all of the women were saying that if people are hating on them, they was like, I don't even know because I'm too... I'm being too productive to even pay attention. I don't know who the haters are. You know what I mean? If if you if I if if I know who my haters are, then that means I'm not doing I'm not doing enough. I'm not being productive enough to to cuz I shouldn't I shouldn't be on Instagram or, you know, Twitter or whatever the case may be. You know, I shouldn't have that much time on my hand if I'm if I am being productive in doing the work that God has called me to do. I shouldn't have that much time on my hand to know who's actually hating on me you know and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with social media because in the, this technology you know driven like um world that we have now you know social media has become the driving force behind marketing and you know and, and getting ourselves out there whatever it's going to be one of the things tools that i use you know to um promote this podcast you know what i mean so <laughs> So I'm not saying anything about, you know, bad about social media in that aspect, but, you know, um, you, you, you should be doing enough. Like you said, you know, everybody isn't hating on you. And then the ones that are, you're not going to be for everyone, right? You're just yeah. not. That's just not. So if we, I feel like every question has some points. So, okay. So the points y'all, because I told y'all they may not go down on the landing page. So we're going to say them. So don't get a builder bear because they're a distraction, excuse me, a builder man. We don't, don't get a builder man because he's a distraction. Um, know yourself. Um, that was another point that we got out of this question. Um, to thine own self be true. Okay. Um, know the real from the fake. That's what I heard. That's what I heard. And wait for the cake. That means don't be giving, you know, don't be giving the goodies. Wait, wait for the cake. Okay. So let, me, let, me, let, me, let me clarify two things. So the Build-A-Bear. Oh, Build-A-Man. 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 Build-A-Bear Man. So the thing is, everybody is going to need support in somewhere, in some place. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying there's no perfect person. So we're going right. to encourage and build each other up. But if the person requires that you literally, it's mm -mm. like, mm -mm. you can't sacrifice your life right. to right. build someone else up. That's just right. not reality. And if this person is bringing you down socially, economically, mentally, emotionally, physically, whatever, and you're, you're putting yourself on the altar of sacrifice for this person, the wrong person. That's a build the bear. No, no, no. How can we complement each other and build and grow together? You know, that's that's what I'm talking about. Um, and the other thing is, uh, to thy own self be true. Yes, and also recognize that you have blind spots. So there are scripts that you're telling yourself, and that might not be true, and you might be living out patterns that are destructive. So make sure you have truth tellers around you. Oh yeah. Can, identify that and encourage you and show you a path that's better. Um, and yes, don't spend too much time on your haters because the first hater is you mm. and the first encourager is you. You're probably the common denominator to what your life looks like anyway. So, um, so the important thing there was sometimes your haters will show you. I don't like the word haters. There are people who are secretly competing against you who mm -hmm. might be cheering you on but are might want you to fail as well 
When mm-hmm. God tells you who those people are, mm-hmm. make sure that you set up some boundaries mm-hmm. and create some a uh, healthy distance so that they don't become the reason why you're not where you're supposed to be. Because there are people who really, and I've experienced this, who they look like your friend, but they're secretly competing or they, um, they look like a supporter, but they are dogging you. They are dogging you. Uh, I've experienced that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just like, um, I, I had written, I wrote this, um, one of my blog posts, I called it, um, what about your friends? Um, and I, I categorized um, friends that are blessers and friends that are stressors. And I put them all in different categories. I got your mop and shine friend, your homie don't play that friend. I got all kinds of different, I gave them, <laughs> I gave them all different names. Um, and, and, and that is one of the friends I talked about is that person that you think got your back, but they, they really, they, they not massaging your back, they stabbing you. And, you know, just like how, if you want to, you know, they talk about the best way to cook a frog is, you know, you put it in warm water and then you slowly turn up the heat. Right. So it's, it's the same thing when you have people that portray to be your friend, young ladies that's out there listening. And if you think that they're massaging your back, but they're actually, you know, using a butter knife they may not have a sharp knife but they got a little butter knife and they you know every time they massage they've taken a little a little scratch you know mm-hmm. with the knife you know they doing a little cut a little cut so you don't you don't feel it you know and it's not until you got a deep laceration back there you know in your back that you're like oh dang you know so mm-hmm. I, the way that I say, and about the whole yes women, like I say this all the time, um, you do not want people around you who are going to co-sign your dysfunction. Like yes. I cannot, yes. I do not surround my, my, my circle, my inner circle, both of you, you know, all of the women that I have, um, that I have interviewed or have had on, you know, the panel for these five episodes, they have been, they are my friends, right? Um, these are women that I know, but these are also women that will quickly check me. Like the two of you will quickly, uh, mm, no. and, and, and don't have no problem with it, you know? But I chose, I chose you women. I chose these women to be in my life because I don't want people that are not telling me when I'm doing wrong, that aren't that I don't need people that aren't watch that, that that aren't watching my blind spots. Like you said, Jesse, you know, we all have blind spots and you need to have individuals who number one aren't afraid to tell you, you know, about about your yourself or when you're when you're messing up or when you're acting up or whatever the case may be, who aren't afraid, but also who are gonna tell you with love. And they're mm-hmm. seriously, you know what I mean? They're not just, you know, they're um to pick up your shine, so to speak, you know, they're not there to, to, to mop up, you know, whatever drips, whatever shine that you're dropping off. Like they truly care about you. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's really important. If I had to, you know, um, share anything or, or, um, a, a lesson that I've learned on my journey, you know, that's, that's one of the things, you know, my grandmother used to tell me all the time, everyone who smiles in your face, isn't your friend. And I didn't understand that you know, as a kid, because I thought everyone was my friend. Yes, my friend. That's my friend. That's my friend. And she used to say, you don't stop calling everybody your friend. (laughs) 
frustrate her. <laughs> and the, the thing is that um, you not every you can't trust everybody with your success either. That's you right. Surprise when you're being promoted or you're getting opportunities and doors are opening up, and when you share that with some people, watch their face, watch their demeanor, watch their language. Mm-hmm. You know, is it really? Are they celebrating you and the progress you're making, what God's doing, or are they? turning the conversation back to them and I could be there too. And it's like, I celebrate you. Why can't you celebrate me? Right. Just paying attention to that. But yep, definitely. All right. So this is the last question. We're going to just end on this. Uh, um, What advice, because you guys have actually just given so, so much advice um, in you've kind of pretty much all of the the questions that I wanted to ask you guys, you've already pretty much answered them in your, you know, as you were responding or just sharing. Um, So now let's be explicit about it. What advice can you give a young woman looking to either start her own business or become a successful leader? Okay. Why do you always smile when I ask the question, Jesse? Because each question is a whole podcast. I keep telling you that. And they're loaded. It's not they're like these loaded are questions. yes or no questions. These are, you could take an hour just on one question, talking about it, getting right. deeper. Yeah. So that's why I keep smiling. They're fantastic questions. But if you expected a two minute answer, yeah, not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll say this though, uh, for, uh, was it business and, um, looking to either start her own business or become a successful leader. Okay. So for both being a good steward of what opportunities, resources, and relationships you have right now, those are opportunities to prepare to lead. And it's also their opportunities to be an owner. If you're not taking care of what's in front of you, you shouldn't be entrusted with more. I mean, this is biblical, right? So um, with, if you're an employer and you're looking to start a business, be a good employee, Mm. you know? Because when you become a business owner, that is you all the time. You have to be self-motivated. You got to be organized. You have to be responsive. You have to be professional. So if you're not demonstrating that now, you could cancel that um, that business um, or delay that business dream until you're good where you are. And not, not perfect. It's I'm showing up on time. I'm solving problems. I'm building relationships. I'm working on my critical skills, my communication skills, my interpersonal skills, because all of that, you're going to be by yourself or with a team and people are looking to you to lead this business and doing the same things that you would have learned as an employee. Um, And then being a good employee is credit to your business because maybe some of the opportunities that come your way will come out of the relationships you had in your workplaces. Um, certainly that was for me. And if people can trust you there, they're like, oh yeah, Jesse did X, Y, and Z. Cause you're, you're again, you're, you're building your reputation as a business owner. You did all these things. And they're like, yeah, you can trust her with this. Cause she did this. Right. Um, 
so that's one and then with the um with the is it career um it was own business your own business successful leader successful leader okay so leadership is not title it's not position it's about people leadership is about people it's always been about people um people remember how you treat them um and they want to know that you care we have a lot of people are who are in positions of leadership they're title holders they're placeholders you could call them bench warmers but they're not leaders because they don't care about people amen yeah you might be a subject matter expert you have a functional title you went to school for this you have this experience or expertise but until you care about the people enough to invest in them and to empower them to solve problems that affect people, whether it's a product or service um, or whatever you're doing, it's always about people. So if you don't care about people, the leadership role is really not for you. Now you may have the title, you may not have been developed, you may not have adequate preparation for that leadership role. That's what I do. But <laughs> just cause you're there doesn't mean okay, I shouldn't be in this role. No, get the training, get the development, shift your mind, focus on investing in the people. You're going to be able to achieve far more by investing in the people who work with you and for you than you will alone. That African proverb says, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You need people and you got to care about people. All right. So she said, care for the people, people. That's the point. <laughs> from, from the pulpit to the White House uh, to the CEO and C-suite. Yeah. The people. You preach don't mean you love people. I think mm-hmm. I would add to you what you said, thinking outside of the box. Because mm. okay. you, listen, you said a lot, so I don't even have to repeat that. You, you know, you just wrapped it up real nicely, delivered it with a bow. And, and just pushed it off. I would say, think outside the box. I, I owned my own business for 13 years before I moved out here to California. I was not an employee of anyone but myself. Um, and then I became an employee of the company that I currently work for because situations changed in my life and I, I needed to shift with that. But for me, I think that, like you said, um, talking to people, that networking, that was all very helpful. But I think to be, before all of that started, I had to have an idea of what I wanted to do mm-hmm. and what service I really wanted to bring to the table. And kind of like what you said before I got to there, like my business came out of what I do for a living, but I had to be a good employee first. Yeah, I had to show up on time. I had to write my reports well. I had to build rapport with the people that I worked with um, and show that I was intelligent, show that I could solve problems. And I think that if there was one thing that came out of all of this is I really did learn how to think outside the box and solve problems. So when I'm looking at a problem, I come from a totally different direction and everybody's usually looking this way. I'm not looking that way. I'm coming from over here. And that comes from diversity of thought, diversity of people. Um, people who've lived different lives, come from different places. You know, everybody tends to see things a little bit different. And remember earlier I was talking about, I got friends that 
early on that were not, that didn't look like me, didn't grow up like me. Some of them came from more torn places. And so they saw things very differently. And so when you can learn to solve a problem in a non-traditional way, you're still building everybody up, but you can see things differently. When you can negotiate and navigate through difficult personalities, because that's something you're going to have to learn how to do. And, and the first place that starts with your family and your friends, your, your friends, the ones that are really your friends and the ones that are really not your friends, you know, those, you know, butter knife stabbers, you have, you still have to learn how to navigate them. And, uh, and, and all of that builds into, as you get older, you learn how to navigate, you know, people when you get older. And then as you, now develop the fact that you can get to work on time. You can project manage, meaning you can plan ahead for certain things. You can start to foresee things coming. I remember I had a boss that once said to me, a manager said to me, you need to anticipate my thoughts. I was like, you know what? I can't do that because I'm not in your head. But I started to understand what people meant by that. You've got to stay a step ahead. And so these are things that you have to start doing in junior high, in high school, in college, with your family. You know, if you know your mom wants those dishes washed, by the time she comes home from work, get those dishes done. You know, get that bathroom clean. And then start planning out how you're going to do things each day, right? You can start where you are and build those skills in so that as you're growing up and you're doing different things in life, you begin to learn how to, as Jesse said, you've got to time manage because now you've got to figure out how to land these airplanes one on top of the other real close, right? You know, you got some deadlines that you got to get, you got to hit. So you, you got to get those skills together. Um, and then when you now decide, okay, I want to start my own business. Like she said, those relationships, those opportunities, those are things that are going to present themselves and you have to be of solid mind to believe in yourself enough to make that plunge. One thing I'll say about money, starting your own business doesn't mean that you go get a loan, you rent an office space, you start to paint and build it up and put all this fancy stuff in there and you don't have a client. Mm. You've got nothing. You've spent all of your capital on making everything look good. You've got a car, you've got a computer, you've got this and you can't generate your income. Mm. Start where you are. Don't go spending money trying to get nothing going. Start where you are. If you're in a closet, be in that closet with your computer and do what you gotta do until you build up your revenue. Then you can go and get a small office <laughs> and still make sure you can manage yourself because money management will kill your business if you don't do it well. Yeah. Even if you have a good idea. Yeah. So you you and 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 you have to, you know, when we're talking about that self-control, you can't see Jesse. She's fabulous. She looks great. I myself am not one of those people who like to dress up. I'm a scientist, you know, I'm a sneaker girl or you know, flip-flop person. But what I did realize is that I couldn't take that money and start going out buying clothes mm -hmm. and, you know, getting my hair done, get my nails done, you know, trying to give that appearance of being successful without actually being successful. And I think a lot of us tend to do that. 
Mm. We want to fake it till we make it. We want to look fabulous without having the finances to back that up. Mm. I'm not saying don't look good. Look good to the best of your abilities, but don't go and try to impress people, as you said, who are not even paying you any attention. You're not taking up space in their head, like your mentor said. We are thinking too much about ourselves and thinking too highly of ourselves that other people are looking at us. They're not looking at us. Mm. You're projecting all of this so that other people can say, there's a part in the scripture that says, um, that talks about a person's reward. It's just those words. I don't want my reward to be somebody just saying, oh, wow, you look great. Because that's it. That's the only reward you got. Those words. There's nothing else to it. What you want is an actual reward in heaven. You you want to have be a person of substance, right? So when you have the ability to do those things, then do it. But don't pretend that you're somebody that you're not to impress people who don't even care. Mm. This is a this is a lesson that I learned um, because I used to sign music at the church. And I I'm a, I'm an incredibly shy person when it comes to people looking at me. I just Somehow I put it in my mind that only the people in the deaf ministry were looking at me, right? That's how I could manage to be up there inside. Till one day, someone's mother on the other side of the room came back and said, oh, I was watching you. I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, oh my goodness, you could see me. How crazy is that? <laughs> but one of the pastors said to me, when I, I said something about it, said to me, that's pride. So what do you mean that's pride? He said, because you're assuming that people are looking at you and that they care. He said, they're watching you to deliver a service. It's not about you. If you're up there, it's because God put you up there to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not about you as a person. So if you don't want to do it because you're afraid that people are going to be looking at you, that's your pride. That's not God. So mm-hmm. I say all that to say, You don't take up space in people's head. If the Lord put you there, then you get up there and you do your service. You don't get up there, spend your money trying to look good to impress people who are not about anything for you. But you, you know, if you're going to do this business and the Lord is telling you to do it and he's given you that those opportunities, don't go and let your pride get in the way and then start messing stuff up because now it becomes about you as a person, because it's not about you as a person. It's about the service that God has called you to provide, the jobs that you will create, you know, the placeholder that you will be. You don't know that if you're on this grand chess, you know, table, that you're occupying a space that the enemy wants to occupy, but God is saying, I got my person there. And you're occupying that space and you're holding it down because God has other people that he's moving in place. You play your position. That is all you're required to do. Play your position. Okay, so they can't see us, but I'm about to pull my hair off. Um, <laughs> you listen, listen, Linda. You, you <laughs> like, that was a whole drop. She, she basically saying, be the part. Don't look the part. You can look mm. the part later, but be the part. Because when they see that you look the part and you ain't got no substance, that's a huge disappointment. You betrayed somebody's trust at that point. Ooh, the, gonna talk about false advertisements? Christians are really big on that. That's how they see us. And I'm telling you that we talk this game about God, 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 this, and they see we're empty because we don't show up to work on time. We don't, we don't do stuff in excellence. 
I know this sounds bad, but I stopped talking about Jesus at work because I wanted to do the work and show who I was and what I could do. And then we'll bring in Jesus in a second because now you've seen my substance. You've seen what I can do. You you said you wanted to be the sermon. You said I'm. You, you wanted to be the so. You said I'm not going to talk about the sermon. I'm going to be the sermon. Sometimes Listen. our lives and what we do is the only Jesus people will see, right? So you got to make sure that that thing is on point, and then you can talk about it. So I I, I know you want in, Tasha. No, it's not that I want to end. I was trying to respect your time because I thought you guys had a, a had a time limit. So Listen, I got I got a project to finish, but like, I just want to add something there. She just started something. See, whole podcast, whole podcast. Um, so oh, oh, where do I start? If you just think about the our communities, that false advertising piece, mm-hmm. we spend trillions of dollars mm-hmm. in other communities and our communities are not where they need to be. All of that money and looking a certain way you know, we go to church dressed in these nice clothes and we got all these praise break and sowing the seed, but you in debt. Mm. I'm not saying don't tithe. I, you never hear me say that. But you you doing all this stuff for people to see you. Mm. But what, what does the money in your bank look like? Do you have um, savings? Do you have uh, uh, what they call emergency fund? Do you have a home? Are you in the place of trying to purchase a home? Are you driving a BMW or Lexus or Benz so people can see and you're crushed under the weight of your debt? I'm driving a 2011 Honda that I do want to get rid of, but it's free. Mm. I want more, more money in my pocket and I want to have something that will last longer. The money I have, you can't see. Mm. Right. It's not, not, I'm not wearing it. I'm not wearing it. We got to stop wearing our money and think about, okay, what are we building? And I think part of that is because we, that the poverty way mentality, we, I'm sorry, poverty mentality, poverty mentality. And we have these prayers that are just Lord put foot on my table. Uh, Lord pay my bill. No, 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 no. What about Lord save Lord heal. Lord deliver, Lord move hearts, Lord move nations, Lord help us build. Mm. We're, we're still, even our prayer lives are so like focused on material mm. stuff. Um, we're missing the bigger picture. So we got to get out of that because mm. we are a very powerful people. And I know there are folks who are going to be listening to this who are not necessarily black or Hispanic or a, a person of a, um, a color, race, or ethnic um, diverse background. But it, I mean, there are so many things that can apply here. Are you looking the part or are you being the part? That's really the key here. Um, And I'm just learning. And listen, I fell in that trap, looking the part, buying the stuff, whatever. I have money. Um, (laughs) but But even then, I felt like I was spending so much money, so much more money then I needed to. I love to shop. It's therapeutic for me, but my bank account doesn't like it. My savings doesn't like it. My uh, future doesn't like it. So Mm. if I want to build a legacy, I I, want to be that person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Man, Tiffany, Lord, that just, there's so much. 
there's so much there. There's so much. And I said something um, a, a little bit ago, and I want to clarify this part. Because when I said you could be a preacher and not love people, that's true. Uh, mm -hmm. But everybody in leadership doesn't love people. Right. Um, yes. Just, you know, you were promoted, you were an expert in somewhere, you got this education and people put you up in this position or you self-promoted um, and you got yourself to that position. So if you got to your place, your position that way, you still have an opportunity to shift your mindset around mm -hmm. people and recognize you have a massive opportunity to use that influence, that platform, that position, that power for the benefit of people. I just had to say that. So, amen, amen, amen. Listen, my you, the both of you have already pretty much took everything. I'm sitting up here like, what can I add? Do I got anything to add? Because y'all just y'all done took it all. You know, sucked it all out of me. Um, <laughs> no. Keep hope alive, like your 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 cat says. Keep hope alive, girl. Keep hope alive. But um. If I if I wanted to if if I'm gonna add my little two cents my my little two cents to to what you guys have already said to the to the this insurmountable amount of dollars that you guys have already said, um, I would say for the young woman who's looking to start her own business, um, I would say know your purpose. Now we see, we hear that all the time, right? Oh, know your purpose, know your purpose, know your purpose. And it becomes, well, how do I know my purpose? And I think, you know, it's, it's so many steps to that. And that just making that statement is pretty loaded. But to simplify it, it's knowing knowing what your passion is or knowing what it is that that you, we were all put here to, to do stuff. To, you know, we were, we were destined to, you know, we're all destined to be great. We all are great, right? Um, and there's a purpose that's been placed in each of us. And a lot of times we overlook our purpose because we think it's supposed to be something grandiose. We think it's supposed to be something so big and it, and it doesn't have to be that big thing. You know, a lot of times the gift you know, that God has placed in you that's going to bring you and propel you to what it is that you're supposed to do here on earth is something so small, something that you do so easily as breathing that you overlook it. You don't even recognize what it is. And when you start understanding, you know, you can ask people around you or what what is that thing that people always say, you know, you're so good at this or, you know, you're this type of person, right? When you start hearing the same thing over and over, pay attention, pay attention, because that could be, you know, what your gift is. And that can, that can lead you to starting to understand your purpose as well. You know, um, for me, it, I, I didn't, writing was just, it was something I like to do. It was therapeutic. It was like I told you guys earlier, it was an escape for me. So I didn't see it as anything big. Um, but later on in life, recognizing that it was a talent, not necessarily that it was my purpose, but it was a talent of the vehicle that I could use to drive my purpose. And when, when I realized that, wow, now Jesse talks about, Liking people, look, I love people. 
And more than that, I love to encourage people. That has always been my thing, right? I don't care if, you know, it's, it's that is, it was something in me that's from a child. You know, I'd never had a problem telling somebody it was nice. I never had a problem telling, you know, someone like, oh my gosh, your smile is so beautiful. Or I, I just never had that, you know, I never had that problem. Um, so when I came to understand much, 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 much later that I was an encourager and that was my purpose, it all made sense, you know? And I'm like, all right, so I'm a, an encourager and this mouth that I used to think was a curse um, is one of the two, is another vehicle that I use. So, you know, my, my encouragement brings healing. So I have, you know, the gift of writing and the gift of gab, the, that are the vehicles that drive my purpose to encourage and heal. And that's just, that's just what it is. So, and I'm okay with that because I love doing that, you know? So that's what I would say as far as, you know, trying to, you know, start your business and and other and let me just also add like we we get we become so infatuated with i want my own business you know i want to be my own you know boss i want to be a boss chick you know and all of this what are you bossing you don't even know what you're doing nobody wants you to boss you 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 don't even know what you but it's like it, to have a business, you got to have something that you are producing, that you are serve. What is your, what is your service? What is your product? Like everybody wants to be a boss and wants to have their own business, but they don't, they don't know what that product or that service or that thing is to have a business about, you know what I'm saying? That's why I'm, that's why I say, know your purpose, know what you have to offer. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then the other the other piece, becoming a successful leader. Look, I say this like, like it's a broken record, like I'm a broken record. To become a successful leader, you have to be willing to be a successful follower first. Like servant. A servant. servant. You have to be a servant before you can be a leader. And everybody just feels like they can just go jump in the leader, like the leader title. No, you need to be a servant. And even leaders are servants. They're okay. The biggest, they're the biggest service. They're the you biggest are service. the people that you're that you're giving this to. I I remember yeah. someone said to me because I don't have a problem serving people. I can be second fiddle. I'm okay. I'm okay with yeah. that. Jesse, you can take the spotlight. I'm good with that. I will be your number one person standing right next to you in the background. You can have it, but you have to be good with not having the spotlight. You have to be mm -hmm. good with doing the work, putting in the work, putting in the time because it is you. That's how things get done. That's how leaders become leaders. They serve under other people for a very long time. If you look at two of the most successful leaders that we have in this country, not political, but financial, you look at Berkshire Hathaway and you look at um, Charlie Munger and, um, um, but what's this guy's name? Now I can't, I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. Um, the guy who owns Berkshire Hathaway. He gave all his billions to, to Bill Gates. Um, I know. Um, you know who I'm trying to say. I can't think of his name right now. Right? I'm I'm like, but oh yeah. these guys have billions of dollars. They own multiple. Warren Buffett. 
Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger's been with Warren Buffett since probably time began. They have been <laughs> around each other. They have built up leaders. They have shown people how to progress. But they, Charlie serves under him, right, as his right-hand man. But he will tell you Charlie's more powerful than he is. He will tell you Charlie has, he has it all together more than me. But he, he's never tried to take his position. He's always played his position and he has served. We have a hard time because we want to be, the per like you say, the false woman. I want to be the person in charge that everybody sees has it going on. No, no, no. That's not where you learn. And that's not where true leadership comes from. Mm. You have to serve and you have to serve the people because you're working for them. A true leader, a good leader, you know how to inspire the other people around you to get mm. things done. And you know how to jump in when things need to get done and there's no one else to do it. And you have to, like Jesus, learn how to wash the feet of those who are around you because you give out everything you have to them. That is how you build up good leaders. It's not about bossing people around. It's about leading by example, showing them how to do it on a day-to-day -day basis, how to be a good customer service person. You're not cussing folks out. You're not getting angry, throwing stuck pots at people and throwing tantrums and habits. You know, you're you're not you're, you're not trying to hurt people's feelings when they make you mad and they your employees and they serve under you. You're not spiteful. You're not petty. You do understand these are things that you if you're doing that now, you got to work that stuff out because you'll be a terrible leader. Mm. Well, it's it's because so so people misunderstand what leadership is in the first place. Yes. Mm -hmm. They don't. Um, they think leadership is being up front. That's not leadership. It's not having a title. Yeah, that's a title. That's that's. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody can be up front. I could walk up front and look like something. I'm doing something. That don't mean I'm doing something. You know, the image of a uh, a train with the cars behind it came to mind as you were talking, um, Tiffany. And the, if you think leadership is easy it's the hardest thing you can do it's a mantle it's a responsibility for other people their lives their resources um and the purpose of leadership is to solve problems for mm -hmm. people on behalf of people for the benefit of people that's it mm -hmm. so what, what you think is uh, is going to happen with the leader you're going to get the biggest hits you're going to carry the biggest lows and all mm -hmm. these people are following you but you're carrying them along the way. That's why leadership is not meant for everybody. Leadership roles, let me be specific there, are not meant for everybody. We can lead in different areas of our life because there's a leader within each and every one, but the, that mantle of leadership, the spirit of leadership, you know, uh, that requires that we move people and affect generations of people, not everybody's equipped for that, not everybody's called to that, not everybody's perfect for that. And not everybody's going to do the work for that. Right. You know, some people, again, they just they they think just by being up front, it's it. That's nothing. Anybody yeah. can do that. But can you carry people? Can you be responsible for people? Can you make decisions that affect people? If you're if you're thinking this this is just boss, I want to look like no, 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 no. That's that's superficial. That's not leadership. Um, Natasha, you said something, and I I want to. Uh, encourage you to think about this differently. You said it's 
Um, some of us have some small roles, whatever. No role is small. It's a part that you play. It's a, because um, God purposed you for a reason. We we have different talents. Some of us have more talents than other, others. Mm -hmm. But that role that you play, you might think it's a little thing, but may have a massive effect on so many other people. So we we all have a part to play and take that part very seriously because you have no idea who's looking. You have no idea how you being what God's called you to be is solving a problem. And your purpose is tied to, always tied to people, always tied to people. So it's about solving a problem that affects people. And you, Tasha, yeah, you are a massive encourager, massive encourager. Um, when I was doing some training, I don't want to make you cry. I see you starting to tear up now. Don't tear up, Tasha. Um, but uh, I was doing this training. It was the first time I did it virtually. I wrote it. I, I you know, uh, did all that stuff. And you encouraged me in a moment where I absolutely needed it the most. And that series is, is just blowing up. People are calling me from every which where uh, for that series. And I, of course, second guessing myself and all that but that encouragement came at the right time so while you're encouraging other people make sure to take the time to fuel up and encourage yourself because we give a lot we give a lot we have to fuel up put on our oxygen mask before we help other people put theirs on so yeah I, if i can jump in one second there that was beautiful. thank you Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. I don't know what I said to encourage you, girl, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad it encouraged you. <laughs> it was it was beautiful. It, that was just absolutely beautiful. I'm just saying. <laughs> and I agree. I agree because she's a great encourager. So yeah. Well, I I thank you, ladies, for um for hanging in there. And this this was this was. This was great. This was great. I mean, what a great way to to end the series. Um, such um, such a wealth of knowledge and information. And I I really really hope that um, everyone that's listening that you was able to pull from um, everything that we discussed, and that you can not just pull it but apply it. Um, because it doesn't, you know, really do you any good if you just listen and then you don't, you don't do, right? So um, thank you for, you know, for, for being on Jesse and Tif um, Tiffany. And thank you all for listening. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Grown Folk Talk with Natasha Nicole. This episode concludes the series, Women of Black Excellence, Queens at the Table. I hope you all enjoyed listening to the conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. I want to thank all my beautiful Black Queens of Excellence who joined me on this journey and lent their expertise and time to me and all of you out there listening. Please be sure to join me in two weeks for a new episode of Grown Folk Talk that will hopefully enlighten your mind and brighten your perspective. Until then, be true to you.